As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, World Cup qualifying midweek action. Harry, then a bit hairy, but then Harry, as England closed down the polls like Georgia lawmakers, while North Macedonia send Germany and their own Wikipedia page crashing with a 2-1 win in Duisburg. We round up all the news and what it all means, then look ahead to the Premier League. Ten games in prospect, two absolute monsters, Leicester Man City and Arsenal Liverpool with new haircuts and so much more to enjoy. All that plus Chelsea in their WCL campaign and Game 3 of the Intertotally, it's all in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Well then, hello listener, it's the 1st of April, April Fool's Day, quite literally the Christmas Day of banter. And the lineup for us today is Lindsay Hooper. Hello, Lindsay. Hello, happy April Fool's. Well, to you too. Or oh, do you really mean that? I wonder. Adrian Clark's also with us. Hello to you. And Duncan Alexander too. Hello. Uh, which crazy gags and stories have you seen today then, Duncan? There's this one about the Champions League expanding to 4,000 yeah, no, teams in some sort of Swiss format. That's actually happening. Yeah. What? Adrian, <laughs> I can't. I can't remember where I read it, but I did see that that England, despite having Gareth Southgate as as manager, actually joined favourites for the Euros, which I thought was a pretty good one. Yeah, that's that's actually happening as well. Lindsay, oh, one doing the rounds. Cristiano Ronaldo to Wolves. Sounds legit. Yeah. Well, plenty of surprising things did occur in the midweek World Cup qualifying matches, and that. Uh, anything catch your eye in particular before we get on to the, the big story of England, Poland? Lindsay? Germany. You've yes. already alluded to it at the top. Wow. And I think this was coming, you know, from the Romania performance. They were so wasteful in front of goal for that game. You saw Kimmich hit the crossbar. I suppose I should pay a bit of credit as well to their goalkeeper, Nita. I thought he had the game of his life. But it, it did cement to me that there are problems in this Germany side. And they took those wasteful opportunities into this next game. I mean, North Macedonia, what a party if they were allowed one. They must have had. Can I just say that, that, that Timo Werner's anti-good showreel is something else, isn't it? Like he, he's built up a, a collection of absolutely glorious misses this season. So Adrian, he, this was a guy who, who 
left his team early in the middle of their Champions League campaign just so that he'd be extra ready for Chelsea. What what has happened? I think he just missed so many big chances that his confidence is is a little bit shot. As simple as that. And and also there's there's no obvious position for him. At Chelsea, they, like they don't know how to use him still, do they really? Um, obviously, they, they played Werner up front against Liverpool, who had the high line, but not everybody plays that way. And then out wide, gets into some great positions, but 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 he's missed so many, hasn't he? So yeah, I, I just think it's an accumulation, and now his his confidence is is unusually low. He got the curse. He got the curse. You know the one that Fernando Torres had. Occasionally, um, it comes around at Chelsea every and so Shevchenko often. And Shevchenko and Sutton. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, this this chance, if you didn't see the game, and plenty of us didn't, uh, came once. Uh, well, Goran Pandev, thirty-seven-year-old Goran Pandev, had opened the scoring for North Macedonia, the the visitors. Uh, Ilkay Gundogan equalised with a penalty soon after the second half got underway, and then Werner had this absolute sitter to put the Germans ahead blew it and before Napoli's Johan Elmas earned the North Macedonians this historic win uh, North Macedonia now second in that qualifying group behind Armenia who are off to a perfect start with Germany third Duncan did you have anything you want to pitch in before we round up some of the key results a lot of people said that uh, this result shows that no one should pre-qualify I don't think teams should have to pre-qualify for for qualifiers but mm-hmm. um, you know North Macedonia in the Euros they're, they're not great but they're, they're a pretty good team but um you know is the last time in uh, germany lost a qualifier was england in 2001 so right should they pre-qualify that's the question probably yeah mm. now let's get a quick roundup before we get on to england and their performance against poland on wednesday night of the other key midweek scores crucial win for wales against czech republic on tuesday dan james with the only goal in cardiff and a win that leaves Wales third in their group, a point behind their visitors. Scotland with a hat-trick of assists from Kieran Tierney as they beat the Faroe Islands 4-0. Che Adams with his first Scotland goal. Uh, they lie second in their group. The Scots four points behind Denmark, who also won 4-0 against Austria. The Danes now have three wins from three, 14 goals scored, none conceded. Italy continued their perfect start with their fifth 2-0 win in a row, this time in Lithuania. Northern Ireland third in that group after they drew 0-0 with Bulgaria. Republic of Ireland drew 1-1 with Qatar. In a friendly of Budapest, they're winless in Stephen Kenny's 11 matches in charge. Further afield, Latvia holding Turkey to a shock 3-3 draw, which leaves the top four in their group, Turkey, Holland, Montenegro and Norway, all separated by just one point. Woof! Elsewhere, listener, your attention may have been caught, as was mine, by Spanish keeper Unai Simon uh, and his misadventures getting caught in possession at the halfway line. He did that thing where he came marauding out, got past one player and then lost control of the ball, chased all the way to the halfway line, by which time it was he found it was rapidly heading in the opposite direction towards his his goal and Kosovo scored. But anyway, uh, Spain got a 3-1 win and moved top of their group. Oh, speaking of that game, another interesting thing, or slightly perturbing, was the fact that the Spanish media and presumably government refused to recognise Kosovo as a sovereign territory. And so the ways they got around kind of the fact that their national team was playing this country that they don't recognise was they put the score, the sc- you know, the score caption, they put Spain in capitals, but Kosovo in lower case. <laughs> and there was bizarre scenes in the press conference after. Mm. That's quite the diss, isn't it? 
where journalists wouldn't use the word Kosovo until the, their press guy had forced them to say Kosovo. And uh, Uturaldi, uh, excuse me if I've mispronounced that, and uh, says, given the ridiculous shenanigans in Spain to not refer to Kosovo as such, what option would be better, Kosovo with a lower case or with the general furore over Macedonia now being North Macedonia, should they have gone completely wild and called it even <laughs> further North Macedonia, which would certainly work. <laughs> um, it sounds very inflammatory, doesn't it, from Spain? I mean, that's... Wow, well, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it's backfired, though, because lower case is cooler than capitals, so it actually just makes Kosovo look really cool. So Q writes in and would like to know, Duncan, uh, your thoughts on Japan's 14-0 win over Mongolia earlier in the week, which included three stoppage-time goals. Yeah, you feel that at 11-0, the Mongolian heads went a bit in injury time <laughs> as it went to 14. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no easy games in in World Cup qualifying except away to Mongolia, it seems. I mean, classically, Japan had a shot in the first minute which uh, Minamino missed, and then no other shots from them till the 13th minute. And I can imagine some Japan fans are going, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a long old day against Mongolia. Um, and then they just scored loads of goals, um, 14. The XG was uh, about six to Japan. Was and, it? And also barely anything to Mongolia. So, you know, Mongolia can console themselves that they, they came up against Japan on a good day, a clinical day. Blame right. the Mongolian keeper then, clearly. That's a, a harsh way to talk about um, Enktavavian Munk Eredin, but yeah, not not a day he'll remember. Mm. Were all uh, of you like me as well? Were you geeing on Gareth Bale with that elbow? Well, um, oh, yes. citizens' justice. Uh, yeah. Nobody, nobody advocates vigilantism, but is that what Gareth Bale was doing? This, in case you missed it, was Andre Kudela, who uh, stands accused of racist abuse of Glen Kamara in the uh, Slavia Prague Rangers. Europa League game a, a week or two back um, and Gareth Bale first of all noting where he was on the pitch and then clocking him with a roundhouse elbow to the to the face that wasn't a coincidence no he had that look didn't he you could see it he looked where he was yeah you love to see it yeah now in Euro qualifying four teams thus have made perfect starts Armenia Denmark Italy and yes England the latest success coming on Wednesday against Poland featuring indeed a goal by Poland, and that was the only shot on target that England have so far conceded in their three qualifying games. Pretty impressive stuff then, even for a non-believer like you, Adrian. <laughs> no, I'm not a non-believer. Yeah, I just, I just feel that the England squad is, is, is top class, but, but the tactician on the side of the field it, it isn't top class in that department but but yeah I just felt a bit sorry for, for John Stones first and foremost felt felt sorry for him because even though I've I, I've I've said for many years that that John Stones isn't an actual defender and he doesn't have that defensive nose and 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 that conceding doesn't hurt him enough and and I kind of stand by that he has been brilliant this season so for him to make such a such a bad error was awful time. And I, I hope that that's the, the last one that we see from him. Because I, I do want him in the England team. I really do. But but I just feel that he, I, he's just not a natural defender, which, which, is, which is crazy considering he's considered one of our two best centre-backs right now. Does Nick Pope bear any responsibility in this? Yes. I think... 
I, as I said last week, I, I would have liked to see Dean Henderson get at least one one of these games. His kicking has been very good, and you know, kicking is such a massive part of, of modern goalkeeping, particularly if you're playing for England in a qualifying campaign where you don't really have to make many saves, but you do probably have to kick it a little bit more. And he did look a bit unsteady on a couple of occasions, and you could almost see John Stones in that incident thinking, yeah, maybe don't pass it back to back to Pope. So obviously the mistake was John Stones. I thought actually the Pope's attempted save wasn't great either. He sort of just mm. waved his arms in the air a little bit. It was a little bit um, Ian Walker versus Italy back in but, the 97. Um, the uh, John Stones redemption story, though, for the equaliser, that, that was pretty great. Yeah, I mean, he got an assist. Um, I thought it was nice that England's goals were scored by Harry, Harry, which used to be the cry of the press every time England needed a new manager. So it was a nice little touch. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean... <laughs> You do wonder, actually, obviously, Lewandowski was, was missing. If he'd have been playing, I think it could have been oh, yeah. a, a much different story. There was, there was that free header, wasn't there, Duncan, that mm. you thought if Lewandowski had been in that game, they'd have scored. Yeah, and England are on this stupid run of, um, that's their 20th win in a row in qualifiers. They've la- they last dropped a point at home in, uh, in qualifying in, in 2012. So it's <laughs> been... I mean, when, I remember being a kid and it was... Re- like England qualifying was really nerve-wracking. It always came down to some, usually an away game in Poland or, or some sort of tricky fixture um, that often they would they would blow. Um, Graham Taylor, no hard feelings. But but now, since Capello's been in charge, it's just been a you know procession every single time. You'll enjoy this stat from uh, Daniel Sturry, Duncan. Uh, England have only won six World Cup qualifiers in the last 40 years by a 2-1 scoreline. Four of those six came against Poland. <laughs> it's because we're always drawn against them, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, probably. This lineup that uh, that Gareth went with and stuck with, actually, to his credit, because he was uh, getting roundly derided for not making any substitutions and letting them try to sort their own mess out, which they did eventually. Uh, ben Shilwell came in for Luke Shaw, but is this now the preferred eleven ahead of the Euros? Maybe with Pickford and Henderson coming in. Yeah, I think Pickford will. I don't think Pope has done enough to usurp Pickford, so he'll come back in. Walker looks nailed on for right-back because of his ability, I think, to to drop in as a right-sided centre-back. Southgate loves that. Um, the, the position up for grabs clearly is, is that box-to-box role that Calvin Phillips was parachuted into, and, and it doesn't suit him. I, I really like Calvin Phillips, but I think it has to be him or... Declan Rice, I don't think it works with him being Why asked Why don't to you think it works with him, Adrian? Just, he's not a shuttler up and down the pitch, in, in my opinion. I think I think a Ward-Prowse would do that role better than him, but Henderson is, is very good in that regard. The obvious one to, to potentially come in is, is Jack Grealish, but at, at whose expense? Potentially in the easier games, I would say maybe at the expense of uh, Phillips, and where you can have Mount and Grealish ahead of Declan Rice. But in the big games, one of these big guys, either Mount, Grealish or, or Foden, will miss out and Henderson will play. I'm in the Ward-Prowse fan club for this, actually, Adrian. I think that he offers something completely different to this England team. His set-piece delivery, the fact that he could be across free kicks. You know, you go back to the days of Beckham. I feel like he's that substitute player to come into this and provide something completely different to what we have. Um, So I I would want to see James Ward-Prowse getting the nod, I think, at the minute. I prefer Luke Shaw as well over Ben Chilwell. Me too. I thought his deliveries were better. I thought his overlapping runs uh, were more convincing. 
And then there's the question of Grealish and where he fits into this. Mason Mount was superb in this game against Poland. And Foden is always looking like he's a threat. But I would argue that Grealish has more ability to be able to turn a game on its head. So either he's got to be an impact sub and we're going to be sharing some responsibilities within this England team, I think. Or he's a starter, but he's got to be one or the other. Yeah, I agree with Lindsay. I think Grealish is sort of echoes of, of Gascoigne in, in 1990. I mean, if you remember, he actually only really got into the England reckoning properly with a friendly against Czechoslovakia just before the World Cup. That was the game that finally convinced Bobby Robson that you know he could play a role in the team and, and, and be trusted. And you kind of feel that Southgate is a little bit like that with Grealish at the moment. And, you know, Mount and Foden, uh, both very skillful, but they're probably more system players than, than Grealish. So I think I think Grealish probably will start on the bench uh, for the Euros. But, I mean, England have got so many, so many talented players. I mean, the only thing that's strange, I think, is that in the autumn they played a back three and now he seems to have gone back to a back four. I think it, And I think it's because Stones and Maguire have had reasonably good seasons and he's now settled on that partnership. Which makes Stone's mistake a little bit of a probably a bit of a headache for for Southgate, but I think he'll stick with those two. Um, listeners or some listeners, Adrian, will, will feel moved to comment that loads of big nations have been having some teething issues with these opening qualifying matches. Germany, we've talked about. France have had some hiccups. Certainly, Holland and Turkey and even Spain as as well. Given. England's track record in in what are not ideal circumstances for a manager. Do you do you not think you should cut him some slack? Look, I I think that that he he's brilliant, Gareth Southgate in eight tenths of his job. I, I, I love him as a person, but but I just feel that in terms of his in game management, he's exceptionally mediocre. I don't have much faith in Southgate's in-game management and, and watching this game it didn't feel like he had a lot of faith in it either. He he, he ended up taking taking the decision to make no in-game decisions until, I, until of course England had got that second goal. Mm. I just think um, in, in a major tournament where matches are cagey, where you know obviously you can't afford to lose, tactics come into play much more often and for me, he's, he's, he's a really basic tactician that doesn't always see the picture of the game as clearly as some of his contemporary managers. And, and that is where I fear we might fall. Not on talent, because I think our squad is the equal of everybody else, um, better than most. But I don't think we have someone that, that's capable of changing games positively enough times. That, that, that's my one, my one big worry for England. And if you are going to bring a substitute on... You don't want it to be in the last five to ten minutes where they can hardly impact the game. I think against Poland, we started to see that the pace was drying up, the quick passing had gone, the intensity of England's performance was was dripping out of the game around the hour mark. And still at 70 minutes, we were all looking, thinking, he still hasn't changed it. He still hasn't put anyone on. Um, and I wondered as well why that had happened. Because in the first half, I thought England were pretty impressive, one of the best first halves. And when they are doing that, they're moving the ball at the Premier League pace that we're used to seeing week in, week out. Why can't they translate that for 90 minutes in an England shirt? It feels like that's impossible. It was actually the latest England had made a substitution since Nicky Butt came on for Paul Gascoigne in the Italy-England game in Rome in 97, the nil-nil. But you can kind of understand that because England were playing well and, and hanging on to the goalless draw. That wasn't the case here. And I think, you know, Harry Kane was possibly the obvious substitution to make and maybe that was the reason he left it so long. Mm. 
well, question marks then, despite England's a terrific start, uh, scoreline-wise, at least to qualifying. Uh, certainly a lot better than the England under-21s who went out, despite perhaps their best performance. They beat Croatia 2-1, but it wasn't enough of a winning margin to keep them in the under-21 European Championships. Gavin Hutchinson writes, Aaron Ramsdale is 22. He's about to be relegated for the third time. Just had an early exit with the under-21s and he scored an own goal on his professional debut. Has any player had such a purely unenjoyable career? Adrian. <laughs> I, don't, I can't think Aww. of one. Goodness me. I did when see I this. Asked, yeah, that I was my suggestion. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't have the, the happiest of times, I guess. But I don't think I, I don't think things got that bad. Um, but but um, yeah, no, I f- you've got to feel for him. Um, not not the best start, but but yeah, I, I was I saw that tweet earlier, and I, I was trying trying to rack my brains for for somebody else that might have got off to such a inauspicious start, and I, I can't think of any. Obviously, players that are, that are, that have been plagued by injuries. There's one that springs to mind at the moment: Bradley Dack at, at Blackburn. If you count the last two or three years, I mean, just every time he comes back, he's out again. It's just. Yeah, football can be a really. I, really I can cool add in game. Marcel yeah. to that at Wolves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, football can be a pretty cruel pr- profession. Um, but look, in fairness to him, Ramsdale hasn't let it affect him too badly. No, it? he's still getting I mean, picked. I'm sure he'd be pretty. He, he'd have signed for that career, you know, back when he was a lad coming through, etc. You know, top mm. flight. All but that but kind when of thing. what I can say as a former mm. professional footballer is that, and, and fans don't maybe don't always believe this, but it is miserable when you're losing. And things aren't going your way, and you're not playing particularly well. You do take it home, and it, and it does impact your life, and you are grumpy. And and I think it takes a very sort of special character to be able to just flick that switch for for home life. And it and 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 yeah, when you're losing every week, it and it drags on for months. Your life is pretty crap for months on end. And and you know, even though you're you're obviously picking up a a, a nice nice wage packet these days, but it, it can be it can be horrible. I saw you playing for Southend, Adrian. You lost. You walked off the pitch. You were laughing, joking. I don't think it bothered you one iota. Well, it did. It did when I was rubbish. Yeah, um, that affected me, which was quite quite regular. Right. Well, laugh in the face of adversity. Adrian. Yeah, Adrian. you've got to smile, haven't you? Smile it's just a it. game, Duncan. How will Ad Boothroy be feeling? Uh, under pressure, hopefully. I don't know. I mean, I looked. Because there's a stat about A.D. Boothwood when he was at Watford. They mm. were, they completed 75 passes in a Premier League game against Portsmouth, <laughs> the team. And I, I think that should bar you from from a lot of things in life, <laughs> um, including managing the under-21s. And, you know, his overall pass completion as a Premier League manager by his team, obviously, was 56%. The highest is, unsurprisingly, Pep Guardiola, about 88%. Now, Phil Foden has played in both of those teams. I wonder, it'd be quite good to get his opinion on... <laughs> on the difference between approaches. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not just this tournament, is it? It's the last one as well. And with with some of the best talents we've produced for a long time. So yeah, surely change is coming. Mm. His contract with uh, England is up this summer. So I imagine that you might get the, the change you were hoping for. Premier League is back this weekend. And that's going to be dominating our thoughts next. At Paddy Power, we know there are plenty of risks in football. Parking the bus at 1-0, signing that promising youngster for 50 million. Or predicting Pep's lineups for your fantasy team. But at Paddy Power, we don't want you to take unnecessary risks. So when you sign up for a new account, you'll get your first bet up to £10 risk-free. That's money back as cash if it loses. 
Paddy Power. New customers only. Deposit using cards or via Apple Pay. First bet on sportsbook markets only. Minimum deposit. Max refund £10. Online exclusive. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Here's Mane to run the chambers. He's doing just that. Sadio Mane wanting a goal for himself. And what a glorious goal he's got. A through ball for Fowler to take on David Seaman. That's got to be a penalty. And it is. That's amazing, I think Fowler would say no. Lacazette, Ozil! Arsenal are walking in a winter wonderland! What a turnaround! McManaman, it was the hit first time! A fantastic goal to open the game up! Steve McManaman! Side-stepping one, side-stepping two! Yep, Arsenal live for the big six game that always delivers. It is the most goal-filled fixture in Premier League history with 166 of them so far. Got a fresh one coming up Saturday evening as the Premier League returns to action. Sit rep with nine games to go. Man City are 14 points clear at the top. They have a trip to Leicester, who along with Man United looking pretty secure for a top four spot. Chelsea in fourth, though, less secure. They're just two points ahead of West Ham with Spurs, Liverpool and Everton all within five points as well. Two huge games coming up on Saturday. Leicester against Man City. That's Saturday tea time. Foxes won 5-2, of course, at the Etihad in the reverse fixture. And Arsenal-Liverpool Saturday at 8 I bill it the the big six game that always delivers. That's fair, isn't it? Yeah, and it's also not only the most goals, the most hat-tricks in any fixture as well. Really? Um, And before we started this, we were talking, Adrian and I, about Kieran Tierney and the hat-trick of assists he got in the international break. England's Kieran Tierney. England's Kieran Tierney. I know that was a huge mistake, wasn't it? But who was was it that did that? uh, Sky Sports uh, lower frame caption. Yeah. I mean, we've all been there. But yes, I think uh, maybe it could be another hat-trick of assists for Tierney in this one. Uh, there are there are definitely goals in this game and it could be the first time as well that Arsenal beat Liverpool in consecutive home games for the first time since April 2015. Oh, good stat. There have been 18 goals in the last four meetings at the Emirates alone. Of course, the two sides drew 5-5 in the League Cup last season with Liverpool advancing on penalties. Is the forecast for more of the same then? I'm not so sure. I'm not convinced about this because Liverpool, partly because they've just not been as good this season, have not been involved in that many high-scoring matches on the road. They've had a lot of clean... Think about their most recent away games, Leipzig, professional 2-0 wins away from Anfield, the pair of them, and, and Sheffield United and Wolves in the last game. They've actually 
been less buccaneering, more pragmatic and solid, really. Um, and, and and I wonder if that's the way that, that, that they'll go for it. We'll have to wait and see. It's an interesting game. I hope it's another thriller. I mean, I've, I've been at so many of these games that it's a classic. Um, I took my son when he was about 12 or 13 to uh, Anfield for an Arsenal were top of the league and it's the only away game I ever took him to and, and we're in the in the away end at Anfield and Arsenal top of the league flying 4-0 down after 20 minutes it was just oh, yeah. unbelievable I remember Luis Suarez and that, that was the catalyst for Liverpool's amazing that charge that was the fastest yeah. ever to 4-0 trailing in Premier League history at the time. So special memories. We the just clerks. stood there in absolute sort of just, just open, open mouth to shock. It's like, this wasn't supposed to happen. And of course, <laughs> the rest of the day, we went out in Liverpool afterwards. So much smugness from the Liverpool fans um, because we had the Arsenal gear on. And, uh, you know, you, you weren't that bad. You weren't that bad, they were saying. You know, it was just, you just caught us on a hot street. Anyway, um, I, I was actually um, on the bench for, for one of those hat tricks that Lindsay was talking about mm-hmm. um, back in the day. Uh, the second Robbie Fowler hat trick. Um, yeah, he was absolute dynamite. But yeah, it's, it's a classic fixture. And, and I hope it's a great game. But I, I think this might be slightly more, slightly more pragmatic. I'm hopeful that it won't be just because Jota is back. He's back right. from injury. He scored in the international break. They've needed him. So I, I think there could be goals in this. Maybe not six, but I, I could see it being a 2-2 or a 3-1. I think he, did he not get three goals of four Wolves? Sorry, Portugal over the international break. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's four. Also, Liverpool have had that three weeks off. I mean, obviously he hasn't. So anyone looking for Klopp to kind of strip it back to basics and rebuild from the, the ground up and reboot them generally could be a Liverpool back in form here. Sorry, Duncan. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with Adrian, I think, in terms of the potential for goals. If you look at the, the rolling XG for and against for Liverpool. What's um, that? So looking at the, the, the XG difference, goal difference, you know, sort of the difference between, uh, you know, how many goals they've scored in XG and, and, and at the back rolling because well. like, you know, the ongoing Over, total. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, the defence has really tightened up in the last few weeks, right. um, which I think people can see from the results. But it has had also an impact on the attacking. That's also gone down a lot. So it's almost like they fixed the defence a little bit and that has impacted the attack. And everyone knows that the the front, the traditional front three uh, haven't been kind of firing on all cylinders, although they do all have reasonably good records against Arsenal. But to, to back uh, what Lindsay said, I think Jota is, is back and, and right. looking sharp. And so that, that could be the, the difference. But um, yeah, Liverpool have, have definitely tightened up, but it has affected their, their attacking. Right. Also excited to see the new looks that are going to be on display as the Premier League comes back. A bit like the first day back at school after summer holidays and there's uh, Alison with his Harry Enfield moustache. And how would you describe Aubameyang's new hairdo and how long did it take you to recognise him? Look, it's different. I, I, I'm, no, I'm no hair hair expert, as you as you can see. Um, but You're look, hair, he's, 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 fa- he's found a way to be creative in, the, right. in these dark times. Where where we we're all struggling to, to to sort out our barnets, hasn't he? And Alice Allison, I mean, that is that is a proper retro tash, isn't I it? I think Full he looks great, actually. Yeah, I like Ob- it. Aubameyang, I'm less sold on, but you know, maybe that's Ob- a generational thing. Alison looks like the sort of man. My friend's dad was like this. He had to shave twice a day, like he grows <laughs> grow a beard in in about twenty minutes. But talking of shaving and hair maintenance, Liverpool haven't won away. At Arsenal in a month that isn't August, and I can confirm that we're not in August, since about two or three weeks before David Beckham shaved his hair for the first time. And that was a long time ago. 
Right. So. Okay. So that's very exciting, and that's coming up 8 o'clock on Saturday evening in the traditional 8 o'clock Saturday evening slot. Before that, at uh, 5.30, our tea times will be enlivened by the spectacle of Leicester going up against Man City at the start of Sergio Aguero's farewell tour to the Premier League. Uh, it's official, as you've no doubt seen Aguero leaving Man City in the summer with the end of his contract after 10 years at the Etihad, in which time he became, of course, the club's record goalscorer. That's before the, the bit where he was this kind of sad bit part player saying, why won't anyone pass to me? Uh, and he's getting a statue as well. Is that early for you? Or do you think that's entirely merited? Statues for living players, is that does that feel a little bit yeah. hasty? No, I think that's fair enough. I mean, if you're going to get a statue, you should be alive to see it. I that's think. true. There's no point, you know. So I think it's a funny one with Aguero because it does spark the debate of, you know, who's the greatest Premier League striker. And I think most people would, would have him in the top five or top three. But right. there is something, I don't know, he, he didn't change games or win games Mm-hmm. as much as, say, someone like Henri. So I think that's where he slightly falls down. He, it was incredibly consistent, but, you know, he scored a lot of hat-tricks in huge 8-0 wins and things well, like that. So Let's hear a stat about him and hat-tricks, Duncan. Sergio Aguero has scored as many Premier League hat-tricks as Cristiano Ronaldo, Eric Cantona, Dennis Bergkamp, Daniel Sturridge, Jürgen Klinsmann, Gianluca Vialli, Luis Saha, uh, Gareth Bale... Roberto Firmino, Samuel Eto'o, Stan Collymore and Olivier Giroud combined. Combined. Put all of those together and you'll have the same number of hat-tricks that Aguero's done on his own. I think it's actually the statue makers, by the way, that would prefer that the players weren't alive. It's, you know, the likeness that they they sometimes get it really off, don't they? But if they're alive, you know, Sergio can come back and say, that doesn't look anything like me. We all all remember the famous stitch-up, seeing as it's um, April Fool's Day, when they they got Beckham, didn't they, with one of of him? Mm. I don't remember that. What what was that? It was a proper stitch-up where they showed him a, a... a statue for him in, I think it was in the States, right. and it, it was abysmal. It was it was coming off the back of things like Ronaldo and having that statue that yeah. looked nothing like him, and they yeah. thought they'd wind Beckham up, and then it broke in front of him, but he was being very polite, as you, as you expect from Beckham, but, yeah, it was it was a wind-up. Yeah. Also, of course, we've got three statues of, of living players. Burkamp, Is this at the back? Adam, oh, sorry. Right, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so they got three. So, so yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not against it. On, on the point that, that Duncan made, I don't know if he would get in my top five. Like, I, obviously he's been Why brilliant. Not? Well, he's only had one golden boot. Um, he's only been, I, I think, City's player of the year twice. Um, never been... The be- I don't think he's ever been the best Premier League striker in in a season really or ever been widely considered the the very best like he's obviously brilliant but definitely Henri I think Shearer I, th- I think Kane and when I think of peak Aguero versus peak Drogba or peak Suarez I still th- I still think Drogba and Suarez mm. were better at their elite optimum than Aguero who of course overshadows you know the majority for, for longevity so yeah, and yet no one has scored a more iconic goal than Sergio Aguero, so that should mm. boost him a little bit, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's fifth, fifth or sixth for me, but but you know that's that's still an amazing accolade. He always seems to fall the into Adrian that Clark. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> 
<laughs> obviously that's 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 the true that's the true you know uh value that any 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 player can have if if i if i say they're fifth or sixth it's uh, that that means most i suppose he always <laughs> tends to fall into that category of being undervalued though doesn't he and are you doing that right now adrian are you mm, undervaluing I mean, aguero yeah. Possibly. He's yeah. he's two inches shorter than Taylor Swift, yet he's got 18 headed goals in the Premier League, which is How many not a bad she record. Got? She's got none, I think. Well, I'll have to double check. Okay. That's quite Sam Matafacian of you, Duncan. Anyway, listen, let's talk about this Saturday tea time fixture then. Ooh, as I mentioned, Leicester had that 5-2 win away at the Etihad earlier in the season, back in September. And that was the game. It proved quite a, a pivotal moment, not least because Pep immediately went out and splashed a very large amount of cash on Ruben Diaz, which clever folks say is what really set the tone for the rest of the Man City campaign. Is that fair? Yeah, definitely. Yes. Right. I, I don't think they'd be where they are now had they had they not, not signed Ruben Diaz. So, so in a way, it was the the wake-up call that they needed. And yeah, it was it was a shambolic defensive performance. They it was it was peak overconfident, overplaying Manchester City at the back. And 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 they've never looked like being that vulnerable and susceptible again, have they? It's been just an, an imperious campaign defensively since since that match, since since Diaz came in and, mm. and John Stones, who we talked about earlier. I mean, you've just got to keep picking him. I mean, did you see this stat? He's won 27 of 29 games this season for club and country. <laughs> he has to play every week, doesn't he? Do not rest, John Stones, because he, he just keeps being part of, of winning sides. So, no, it was, it was it was hurtful at the time, but it was kind of the best thing best that could medicine. have happened to City. Right. It feels In- like Diaz's presence as well had a huge influence. So, not only with John Stones, but you look at Cancelo and Zinchenko, they just went up a level. And I, th- I think they've been superb at the back, Manchester so City. Leicester's chances against this... New of getting of, a 5-2, not very much. <laughs> although with Kelechi Iheanacho in, in the kind of form he's been in, seven goals in four games. What do you think? Against his old club as well. Hmm, I could see him scoring. I could see him scoring against his former club. But I think it will be a tight, tight game between these two. Um, and Vardy hasn't been showing the form that we're used to. So they've really been relying on Iheanacho in, in his goal-scoring absence, haven't they? Um, I love Telemans at the moment. I love him. Harvey Barnes, is he still going to be out for this one? Yeah, he's out. And and Madison's out too as well. Madison's half fit. He he might pass a fitness test. I think uh, Leicester are are a good style fit to stop City, like Man United do every time that they play against them, um, in terms of Telemans and indeed they're so mobile and aggressive. They snap into those sort of mid-pitch presses. And that's what, seems to negate those those sort of influential number eights but but yeah I think this would be a, a close game but you, you can't back against City at the moment can you you just you can't well could be a dress rehearsal of this for the FA Cup final both teams of course in the semis so it'll be interesting to see how it pans out Man City also have Champions League coming up next week they're going to be hosting Dortmund on Tuesday a Real Madrid up against Liverpool elsewhere in that competition that night. Bayern against PSG and Porto Chelsea on the Wednesday. The proximity of the Champions League is is possibly Leicester's best chance in this game. I think you know City's lead is so, is so big that they can afford to to gamble everything on the Champions League, and obviously that is the priority for the club. Um, as 
Yeah, there is similarities between the teams. I mean, obviously, Mares came from Leicester to City. Ian Acho is in great form and, and came the other way. And there, you know, certain teams have a little matchup, I think, and they're quite kind of, you know, they're like twins in a in a sense. And and it feels like that with with Leicester and, and City. And um, you know, Leicester obviously scored twenty four percent of the goals Man City have let in this season. Which if they can get you know two or three in this game, that and City don't concede many for the rest of the season, they're gonna smash the the single game record or single team against another team record so let's hope for that remarkable man city in action in the champions league this week as well in the women's champions league as were chelsea the crucial second legs of their quarter final clashes let's talk about those next keep listening for duncan alexander versus adrian clark in the paddy power inter totally cup and it's pre-recorded Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. So, WCL quarterfinals, second legs. No remontada for Man City, who did hand Barcelona their first defeat of the season, if you don't count shootouts, but Barcelona's still going through 4-2 on aggregate. They'll now play either Lyon or Paris Saint-Germain, whose game was postponed because of uh, coronavirus cases. Uh, Lyon, though, with a 1-0 lead from the first leg, over the Parisians. Meanwhile, Chelsea are through to the semi-finals and how after that 2-1 home win over Wolfsburg last time, they won 3-0 away, Chelsea, at Wolfsburg, the team who, of course, have put them out in three of their last four Champions League appearances. How sweet is this, Lindsay? Oh, it's been coming. And this is what Emma Hayes has been working so hard on this Chelsea team to achieve is, is beating a team like Wolfsburg that have got the better of them so many times. I don't think anyone expected this second half performance. I think the the overall scoreline, you see the aggregate score, 5-1 winners, very convincing. Was it convincing for the 90 minutes? I'd argue not. I think Wolfsburg started this game really well and they applied a lot of pressure. But in the second half, Chelsea really turned it on and they it, it was as if they went through the gears. Um, in terms of the opening goal and the penalty, it was a heart in mouths moment really because they'd missed a penalty in the previous match and they'd been without Maren Mjelda, who's usually the penalty taker, the right back who plays at Chelsea. So it was Pinilla Harder against a former club. So I, that was the point where I was like, if this goes in, it starts something off. And I have to say that Harder was the best performer in this game by a country mile. She was brilliant. But Wolfsburg were in it. You know, th- this score makes it seem like it was a runaway victory, whereas it was much tighter at the beginning than, than it let on. That first goal went in and um, Payer for uh, Wolfsburg almost had an instant reply that could have just at the far post made a connection. It would have been 1-1 and, and a really tighter, tighter match. But Sam Kerr, um, who had a lot of criticism at the start of the season for, for maybe wasteful chances, a little bit in Timo Werner fashion at the very beginning scored a 20th goal of the season. And in this, that there were crucial goals. She held the ball up well. Frank Herbie, who's probably going to win the player of the year, I would have thought, um, got the third goal. And yeah, they've gone past Wolfsburg 
in a competition at the fourth time of asking in, in, in the Champions League. And now they'll go against Bayern, I would presume, because Bayern have got this 3-0 lead um, and the semi-finals will be in a month's time. And I think if they can get past Wolfsburg, they should be able to get past Bayern. Interesting. Uh, Katie Wyatt says they can go all the way and end Leon's hegemony. What do you mm. think, Lindsay? Yeah, and, and it's interesting because on the other side of this draw, as you've said with the Manchester City defeat to Barcelona, that other game between Lyon and PSG, which has had this delay due to coronavirus, that has to be played by the 20th of April, um, that second leg. But all of these little factors could be chipping away at Lyon. I think it will be, if we can get Lyon, Chelsea in this final, it will be a game that everyone should watch because it's the top two in the women's game, in my opinion, right at this moment. It's the final we all want to see. Um, I do give a bit of credit as well to Manchester City in the way they performed against Barcelona. Um, They hadn't lost a game all season up until this. I think Gareth Taylor can take something away from that. They hadn't got some key players as well, Manchester City. Steph Horton's out with an Achilles injury. England captain Demi Stokes was injured. Lauren Hemp had an ear infection and pulled out just before the game took place. So I think when you've got players like Lucy Bronze making this last ditch attempts to clear off the line and she, she was a sensational Kira Walsh in midfield was brilliant too um, Manchester City can take a lot of heart from their performance as well but I think the one we all want now that there's this Leon PSG uh, battle to be done is Leon against Chelsea in that final that would be mouth-watering Across town uh, Adrian uh, Arsenal are in the market for a new manager yeah, comes a real shock to everybody, I think, really out of the blue. Joe Montemuro, the head coach there, who's an immensely popular character, I think, within the club and, and, and within the team. I think all, all of the players really, really like him. Um, yeah, he's decided to, to walk away from the job. I think it's for family reasons. Um, he's Australian, of course, and, and, and I think he'll probably be heading back there. In the, in the short term, I've, I've interviewed him a number of times and he's just a, he's a really good bloke. He's a big fan of Arsenal. This is his dream job. Mm. So it, it must be so hard for him to, to walk away from it. And I have to say, what I've, I've analysed a few of the Arsenal women's games and they're, they're a very stylish team. Just a really, really nice side to watch. The rotational movement is so sophisticated. They've got a lot of clever footballers. Um, they're, they're a joy to watch and um, and he's a, he's going to be a tough act to follow. They're going to have to get a coach that has a similar mindset, I think, uh, or philosophy, um, because the players are built to play this, this lovely brand of football. They've been really clicking lately, Adrian. And I think um, I, on the WSL podcast that we do for the Offside Rule, I, I mentioned that I think Arsenal will score the most goals this season. Uh, Chelsea are, are on target to win the title along with Man City. That's the title race. But I think Arsenal have shown now that they're being really clinical. Joe Montemuro, he did have quite a few journeys back to Australia last year. Uh, personal reasons. I think that's played a part. It's been a really difficult decision for him to make. Um, within... I think less than an hour, the job advert went up for his replacement. Um, And that link got posted, I saw on social media. Um, Who goes in at Arsenal? Um, They're going to have a great squad to work with. Um, I'd like to see someone new, I think. You know, sometimes we see former managers that have have done the rounds a little bit going from club to club. But I I quite like to see some new ideas at Arsenal. I think they've, they've got the team there to go on and do really well next season. All right. Joe's still going to be there till the end of the season, though, yes? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, uh, next up, let's get back to the Premier League and what else is happening this weekend. 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. While Chelsea and company do battle over the top four places, here's how it stands down the bottom. Brighton and then Saints and Burnley aren't completely clear of trouble. Brighton six clear, seven points the margin for Saints and Burnley. So it looks really like it's a straight fight between Newcastle and Fulham. There's just two points between them. And of course, Newcastle will be visiting Fulham on the final day of the season. West Brom are 10 points from safety ahead of their trip to Chelsea this weekend, this is uh, opening game actually of the uh, weekend's fixtures. West Brom, who've scored just two goals now in their last seven games. How many do we fancy them to get against the best events in Europe? <laughs> they're going to struggle. Is it, how, how, how often are they going to get over the halfway line? That might be it. Might be a better question. Although, um, although, yeah. who remembers the reverse fixture between these oh, two teams back yeah. in September? The baggies roared to a three-nil lead. Of course, they, you know, were then pegged back to three-three, and it, it was under different managers. It was Lampard against Billich back then. Yeah, no, it was one of the games of the season, and it was just, yeah, it was self-inflicted. I remember some of the goals that that, that Chelsea were giving away in that game were were, were absolute gifts. But look, it might give West Brom confidence, but it will feel like that game is what. Two years ago, I mean, it just feels so long ago, doesn't it? Um, since since that match, I don't think it'll have too much too much relevance. Chelsea, infinitely better right now than they were then. It's interesting because it's a, a game between two clubs who brought in managers to sort out their defenses, and uh, perhaps one has done slightly better than the other one. Um, I mean, West Brom haven't won a league game at Stamford Bridge since uh, Space Invaders came out and that's pretty much the problem they're going to have against a very fluid Chelsea attack isn't that's it That's an amazing uh, analogy there Duncan when when did Space Invaders come out I'm going to say ni- 1982 or oh, no before I before? reckon 70s sure Really Space well, Invaders 78 Is that correct is it 78 Yeah it is yeah Wow mm. Scoring goals though hasn't been going that well for Chelsea although Adrian I saw you writing up uh, Kai Havertz as the the man to resolve all of this well I don't know if he's going to be the the savior or the man to resolve it on a permanent basis I think that that center forward role is going to be fluid I I think that sometimes it'll be Giroud sometimes it'll be Abraham sometimes it'll be Werner but but for me Havertz might be the one that suits the team and the shape the most I was writing about this um, because of his mobility and and the, and and the lovely movement, dropping into the sides, dropping into pockets behind. You'll find that hard against West Brom, who will have two banks of four with no space. But um, but yeah, it suits them because Chelsea's wide forwards are really narrow. Uh, Werner and Hudson Odoi and Pulisic, guys like this, Mount even, they're happy to make those those central runs in behind and 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 that I think is why it can work with, with Kai Havertz um, who was good in the last two games before the international break had a lot more shots a lot more touches in the box just generally much better than he'd been throughout the course of the, of the season so far so so yeah I think I would certainly pick him for this game against West Brom because movement will be the way maybe to unlock a, a side that are going to be mega defensive mm. 
All right. Well, that's coming up, as I say, at the start of the weekend. Also, and related to West Brom Survival Hopes, you've got Newcastle against Tottenham. Those teams are having a battle over the piping hot baton of crisis club. Six games without a win for Newcastle. They might have the edge uh, in that particular contest, but obviously not in this as a football match, uh, which means a big chance for Fulham to move past them into non-relegation land, depending on what they do at Villa. What do you think? Fulham do have a decent record on the road. Yeah, they're unbeaten in their last eight, which is a club record. Mm. Um, I mean, you think they'd probably take a draw at Villa, but they've got to sort out their attack. If they can sort that out, I think they'll easily... They've got the biggest gap between uh, expected goals and goals scored. They've got 34 right. XG and, and only 23 actual in, in real life goals. Rolling XG. Mm rolling over and, and not winning games. But, but but they've got a rolling forward line. That's the problem, isn't it, Duncan? Or part should, of they, it, like, should they like, roll in Alexandra Mitrovic? Well, yeah, he had an excellent <laughs> international break, scoring at will. But I think... He scored five I, goals in three, just to put some numbers on that. Yeah, they've... Um, I mean, at the other end, Ariola's the, the, the best keeper on in, in terms of XG and preventing goals. He's he's prevented an additional six goals this season, compared, mm. which is better than any other keeper. So defensively, they're absolutely fine for them. They just need to, to get a little bit of consistency up front. And um, I think, I mean, I'm still pretty confident they'll finish above Newcastle. Yeah, I think they'll finish above Newcastle as well. Uh, where are we with Sam Maximan and Almiron? Because they both were missing just before this international break. I'm not sure if they get back in time mm. for for the game against Spurs. But if they if they're not, couldn't this be two sides like the slowest versus the fastest counter attack? Um, it could be an interesting matchup if if they're without that pace. Newcastle just look devoid of creativity and ideas. I mean, Ryan Fraser, you can't just rely on him for for trying to be an outlet player um that they're really missing both of those they're big misses Mm. yeah completely agree I I think they need the Wilson and Sam Maximum back ASAP and and look they haven't been good enough defensively this year Newcastle five just five clean sheets when you're as defensive as they are and as reliant on kind of this counter-attacking football you've got you've got to be more solid than than they are um yeah I I think they'll struggle to Mm. to beat Spurs at the weekend so that's Newcastle Spurs then. Anything else, Duncan? Just, I remember this was Newcastle's first game when they got promoted to the Premier League in 1993 and there was incredible excitement about, you know, that Keegan team and, and you know, Andy Cole and Beardsley. And um, they had Nicky Papavassilou in the team, which the name that always, early Premier League era, name that sticks in my mind. And then Tottenham went on 1-0. One, one so. I, I, I genuinely, I don't think I've ever heard that name before. Mm. I just Really? Yeah, yeah I just can't Look remember. Look him up. He was, yeah. a, he was a tricky Greek winger. There you go. Now, uh, also not entirely clear of the relegation scrap are Brighton six points above the dotted line. They're at Old Trafford where they've never won the Seagulls. Uh, The reverse fixture, of course, they lost to United in particularly curious circumstances. After dominating the game, the victorious goal was actually awarded after the final whistle had blown. They are coming into this one, the Seagulls, off back-to-back wins before the break. Could there be an upset in store? I think they've got a chance. I think they can make this game competitive. They have been pretty solid away from home this season. They won at Liverpool. They won at Villa. They won at Leeds. We know that Potter's a good tactical coach. And and United have injury problems, don't they, up front? Rashford's a doubt. Mm. Greenwood's out, I think. Martial is, is, is probably not going to be right. So so they've yeah they've got they've got issues um to sort out Manchester United but 
in the same breath, Man United. And it, this feels, honestly, how long ago does it feel since Arsenal won at Old Trafford in the, on the 1st of November? That feels like... Two seasons ago, to me. It was like five months to me. Yeah, yeah. It just feels so much longer. But during that period, United have lost one Premier League game wow. to Sheffield United. So you have to respect that kind of record. So it's, it's going to be tough for Brighton. Although, you know, by the same token, they lost to Sheffield United in that period. So if you're Brighton, you feel you, you've got a chance. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I did a bit of analysis on, on this game, actually, on Cavani and, and Daniel James in particular, because I think they might have to play because of the injuries mm. and 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 no one scored at a faster rate from open play for Manchester United this season than than Henderson Cavani and 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 Daniel James it's it's quite remarkable really they've, they've been good in front of goal pretty clinical when chances have, have come around for the pair of them and yeah you just wonder they might might be able to grab that opportunity to shine at the weekend I know at Manchester United, when they've taken on Brighton, there have been a lot of penalties, Duncan. This this could be the area. We had all that VAR, as you've said, but it could come down to penalties. Well, traditionally in football, you play to the final whistle. But in this game, uh, often the final whistle goes and Manchester United score a winner. So something for Brighton to be, to be scared of. Um, and uh, yeah, 23% of the girls in this fixture in the Premier League have excitingly been from... The spot so is that right? Almost a quarter of all the goals in this fixture in the Premier League history have been from the spot. Mm. How about that? So, mm. Yeah. Now moving on. Also this weekend, you got Saints against Burnley. Uh, Saints through to the FA Cup semi-finals, but they've lost ten of their last twelve in the Premier League. And you've got the Leeds Sheffield United game, the El Hecchio Derby, as Darren Leithley dubs it uh, for Paul Heggenbottom, who's interim. Blades Bros, but was also the man who was ruthlessly sacked as Leeds manager back in 2018 after less than four months in charge to pave the way for the arrival of Marcelo Bielsa. Darren Leithley says, has there ever been such a disparity between successive coaches than at Leeds? No, apparently not, Darren. <laughs> You're right there. It's, um, well, yeah, hmm. it didn't It didn't go well for Hickenbottom, did it, at all? I mean, Bielsa's been sensational. We know that. We don't need to talk about that. Hickenbottom, I, I, you can't really judge him. Four months is all that he really had. And he just got caught up in the sort of Radrizani crossfire. He, he was, you know, he'd, he'd got all this power and, and just couldn't make his mind up in terms of, of who he wanted as a manager. And he just hired and fired for, for fun during that period and, and Heckingbottom didn't really have a chance. I did read that, that Heckingbottom had, had recommended some some really good players actually that, that, that would have helped Leeds but was absolutely shot down by by the board and, and um he was a small name. He he was brought in for championship experience and and, and they wanted a bigger name. And I wonder if we can get an indication from Heckingbottom, because he does like going with, with younger players, giving young players a chance. Where Sheffield United go next. They've got some ageing players, haven't they? You know, Jaggy Elka, McGoldrick, Billy Sharp. Are we going to see between now and the end of the season some of the younger guns being given a chance? I think this is going to be an interesting an interesting fixture to find that out. Interesting indeed. Now, Monday sees two fixtures. Wolves taking on West Ham, which will be a great uh, concern to anyone involved in the race for top four places, and Everton against Palace. Duncan? Well, it might please Roy Hodgson, the Crystal Palace manager and a former Liverpool manager, that if his team scored two at Goodison 
Um, they'll have scored more Premier League goals in Liverpool this year than the football club Liverpool. So just something to look out for. <laughs> remarkable, <laughs> remarkable. We'll talk more about uh, those games a bit in Monday morning's show, which will be up bright and early as usual this week, as opposed to the lunchtime affair of uh, last Monday because it was international break and that. But of course, the matchup we're most looking forward to this week is actually next in the Intertotally Cup. The Intertotally Cup, sponsored by Paddy Power. Stadiums might not yet be full, but Paddy's offers are at full capacity. Get a free bet if one leg of your four plus fold acker lets you down on all football matches and markets. TCC Supply, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. All right, it's Intertotally Cup time. Woohoo! Now, so far, we've had Coxie see off Tom Williams and then Sasha put out last year's runner up, Daniel Story. What fresh drama! Awaits today as we have two more challengers competing for a place in the quarterfinals. Let's meet the fresh meat. Up first is the former Arsenal winner who won't be happy with the fourth place finish. He's seen Diego Maradona in his pants. He is Adrian Clark. Wow, but. Bold entrance music there, Adrian. <laughs> uh, I love that. What a, what a start to the quiz, eh? Um, yeah, Reverend and Amicus there. Is that um, right? Yeah, champion yeah. of the world. Heavyweight yeah. champion. Yeah. The world, you're no stranger, of course, to the big contest, the big sporting occasions, Adrian, but your, your experience at this level is zero. Uh, yeah. I hope it's not going to be a Blackburn-Rosenberg. Yeah, I'm, I'm on edge, I have to say. Um, I feel... Like a fourteen-year-old me would be a much better quizzer, really, than than, than a forty-six-year-old me. Yeah, I just I just feel that yeah, I've got so much going on in my head these days that I just miss stuff. So yeah, this is this, this is concerning, but I'll do my best. Confident words, Adrian. Now the winner of each match this year gets ten pound for the charity of their choice, which Paddy Power will be placing on a bet, also of your choosing, and the winnings from that bet will also go to charity. So who's your nominated charity going to be? Yep, for me, it's going to be Macmillan Cancer Support. All right. Well, now let's meet the man you're up against. And his opponent. He's the OG of XG. Murderer. The statistical gangster. Murderer. Pick up touches in the penalty area. Murderer. Still love you like that. Murderer. It's Duncan Alexander. No, 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 no. <laughs> wow! You have a word with your creative director there. <clears throat> yeah. Magnificent. Note to self: do, but also do not outsource stuff to Ben Green. Right. Do you also have a note to yourself to, to kind of whisper in Adrian's ear pre-quiz? I've had shits bigger than you. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'll text him. I have to say this, this this sort of action man look that that, that Duncan's got going on is is right. quite combative. I, I, I feel that he's done voice. this. Duncan has, has has had a bit of a kind of buzz cut just to kind yeah. of get his his head right because he's had Adrian a year of living with the shame of a shock exit in the first round at the hands of Alvaro Romeo last year, Duncan. Yeah, I, yeah, it's, it it hurt me for months. I lost my head. I fell to pieces. So I'm a, I'm a bit nervous actually. Let's hope I can hold it together. Who's your charity going to be? Uh, they're called the Bike Project, um, and they take uh, secondhand bikes and and fix them and sort them out and give them to to refugees in London and Birmingham, um, so that they can get about. And you know, a lot of them have 
not had a bike before and to get around the city and stuff. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a really good charity. Brilliant. All right, nice one. Well, if you're ready, let's begin, Adrian, with your questions. Question one. Which ground hosted the game with the highest attendance in Premier League history to date? Highest attendance in Premier League history. Which ground hosted the game with the highest attendance in Premier League history to date? Okay. Um, well, Old Trafford is the is the obvious answer here. Uh, Wembley, Wembley, Spurs when they were at Wembley, got to be pulled that one out of the bag. It was Spurs against Arsenal, twenty eighteen, with an attendance of eighty three thousand two hundred twenty two people. Adrian, question two: Who was the only team that Derby County beat in their eleven point two thousand and seven oh eight Premier League season? Oh, uh, yeah, I've got I've got pretty much nothing here. It's going to be... One win all season. Shot who in the was dark. it against? Yeah, who was it, who was it against? I'm going to guess that it might have been against someone someone decent. Um, Liverpool. Newcastle United. Question three. The game against Greece in 2001 when David Beckham scored that last-minute equaliser, who got England's other goal? Oh, Okay, Old Trafford. I remember, remember it. Um, feels like, feels like a game. Two thousand and one. Gerard England. Gerard Heskey is, is is what's coming into my head here. But but yeah, I have to say that again, it's a, it's a guess. So I'm going to go for Gerard. Teddy Sheringham. Teddy Sheringham. Question oh, four. Tough. And this to quite literally double your score. For mm. which Serie A club did Dennis Law play for a short time? Dennis Law. Dennis Law, Serie A. bit before my time. Um, Do you want to die your 14-year-old self? <laughs> Dennis Law um, played for... Torino. Is correct. Outstanding. Outstanding. I kind of I knew it, but right. didn't know it. I didn't know that I knew it until but I said you it. Did. So, you did yeah. know it. And that means that you could go to a whopping three <laughs> points. That could be big. Points. That could be big, yeah. yeah. If you get this question right. Yeah. Question Make five. Make it easy, please. Which player appeared for Paris Saint-Germain in last season's Champions League final against Bayern, then moved to Bayern shortly afterwards? Chupamoti. Of course it was. <sighs> Bringing you to a score of three points. Adrian, how do you feel? I feel that I've it's respectable, but I would have liked the fourth to apply a bit of pressure to to the big man. We'll see. We'll see. Big man, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Question one, Duncan. Which mm. ground hosted the game with the smallest brackets pre-pandemic close brackets attendance in Premier League history? Um, that would be Selhurst Park for Wimbledon, Everton. He's right, listener. And uh, can, you give me, can you give me can you give me the attendance to the nearest hundred? Three thousand and fifty-six. Oh my goodness, that's so close. It was three thousand and thirty-nine. Wow. I always overestimate that game. Question two: In twenty sixteen and then in twenty seventeen, N'Golo Kante won the English league title in consecutive seasons, but with different clubs. Who was the last player to do that before Kante? Um, Eric. Cantona. Is correct. Cantona also won Ligue 1 with Marseille the year before Leeds. So three titles in three years with three 
different clubs. Remarkable. Is that a record, actually, Duncan? Probably, I would say. You've All got right, to be question... good and a bad boy to pull that off. Hmm. Question three, then. England's 5-1 beating of Germany in 2001. Who scored Germany's goal? Uh, hmm. Uh, yeah, that's tricky. It was her man in the reverse game. I know this, but I don't. It was a big... Gonna have to hurry you. <sighs> yeah, I'm gonna... I'll say her man, but it's not. It's Karsten Janka. Yes, yes, of course it was. The All big right. man. Yeah, the big man. Question mm. four, then, and this to... Pull level with Adrian's score. For which Serie A team did Jimmy Greaves play for a short time? Um, AC Milan. Is correct. Question five then, and this is now key. Bayern Munich's win in last season's Champions League final means they have now won the competition how many times? Uh, three in the seven years. This for the win. I'm gonna go six. Is correct. <laughs> and Duncan, you are through to a quarter-final matchup. You also earn ten pounds for your charity and the proceeds of your charity bet. How do you feel? Well, fully respectful of of Sash, but just feel a, a bit of redemption after last year. To be honest, right? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, hats off to Adrian, he put up a, a strong fight. So. Well, for you know, I, I had a little bit of disrespect on, on social media ahead of kickoff. I was labelled the, the 30 to 1 outsider out of all 16. Um, so, look, I just hope that, that whoever, you know, put that up would just, you know, trim me in next year if I'm invited back. I thought you did really well as well, Adrian. It's not one of those kind of shambolic early round exits like we saw from, to give one example, Raphael Honigstein last year. Just, <laughs> just really... <laughs> Letting it, I think, just you know, disgracing the tournament almost. Lindsay, you're up soon. Oh no! You, you, do you yeah. know who you're up against? Yes. Although it, I, we thought it was one person, didn't we, Charlie? And then I realised it was somebody oh, yeah. else. Then you looked at your wall chart. <laughs> so I the... thought it was Alvaro. Yes. But it isn't. It's, it's Julian, Julian Laurence. Laurence. And how do you feel? Would you rather had Alvaro? Yeah, I think I would. Really? I'd rather have had Alvaro. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, that's coming up uh, very soon, uh, Lindsay, but our next clash in the Intertotally Cup will be in Monday morning show where Matt Davis-Adams will be taking on Rory Smith. Woof. All right, well, make sure you tune in for that. Plus, of course, all of our expert analysis of the Premier League weekend and beyond. That wraps it up, though, for today's edition of the Totally Football Show. So many thanks to Lindsay and Adrian and Duncan for being with us. Hope you had a good time. Hope you enjoyed yourself, listener. And you have a great weekend. We'll catch you Monday morning. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and follow us at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. That was a really worrying time being a Rangers fan, not knowing 
if you'd have a team to support or not. The Scottish Football League's only acceptable position will be to place Rangers FC into the third division. It wasn't so much a football match you were involved in as a test of manhood. And with your support along the way, we will get back to where we belong. From the bottom to the top, the journey is over. Rangers are back. It all ended spectacularly in Europe when he had an argument with Rangers fans in a bush. It's a huge, huge honour for me to be sat here now to be the manager of Rangers. And, you know, the excitement levels are very difficult to contain at the moment. Drilled by Arfield, Conor Goldson looking to score again! And he has scored again! And Rangers are in such a good place now! Everybody in Scotland was talking about 10 this at the start of the season and the only number they're now talking about is 55. To get the full story of the fall and rise of Rangers, subscribe now to Beyond the Headline. The Athletic.